This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. Cool, okay. So, Symphony of the Night. Uh, Symphony (laughs) of the Night. Castlevania Symphony of the Night is Bloodborne's dad. Yes. Yeah. And so I texted you that, and you said that you would come and talk to me about the game if the episode was called that. I did. <laughs> yeah. So the episode is now called that. Great. Um, but we played it. We both played it. Yeah, I didn't uh, beat it. <laughs> That's all right. Because I died too many times in the upside yeah. down castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I had to cleanse my palate by playing Resident Evil Village again. Oh, sure. Yeah. To feel like I was winning. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Were you on like New Game Plus with all the guns and stuff? Yeah, I made sure I got unlimited ammo for both shotguns. Nice. Yeah. And now I'm working on the Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine going through that game and just like one hitting everybody? That would be great. Yeah, I could imagine that. I think that'd be awesome. That's what I want to get to. <laughs> anyway, Castlevania <laughs> Symphony of the Night. You had never Not played it before, same. right? No, I hadn't. And I really don't tend to play pixel art games okay it just doesn't really appeal to me i wasn't really raised on it i guess my first game was zelda the ocarina of time okay so yeah i kind of skipped that whole generation of games as a kid except on pc i played castle of the winds which i don't know if you've ever played that (laughs) it's like super when i visualize it in my head it it like looks like uh, Minesweeper, <laughs> but okay. with like a dude. You should look up pictures of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. It's look very it up. minimalistic. Castle of the Winds. Of the Winds. It's oh, it's like okay, it's like an old top-down RPG. Yes. It looks like Super High Blide, which is a game that you don't know because you just <laughs> said that you skipped the entire 16-bit <laughs> generation. But it looks like Super Highlight, or it looks like The Hobbit on the Super Nintendo, I think that was on. Yeah. Damn. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's the right game? Yes. Yeah. I, yep. You know, that's super interesting to me because, like, Monica says the same things. Or, Monica says the same thing. I can't fucking talk today. <laughs> My talking bad <laughs> talking bad uh, talk ta, uh, talk bad <laughs> um <laughs> um it's interesting because monica says the same thing yeah and i think that's interesting because you guys are both like artists in visual mediums and like you would sort of think that a lot of those pixel art games would appeal because some of them have like really cool design and really cool style and stuff. But I do really think it's just like a comfort thing because there yeah. is like that perfect age you can be or sub generation or whatever, where like you started playing games with 3d games yeah. because you didn't have like an older sibling or, or whatever. Or you just weren't into that when you were a kid. 
And so, like... Oh, sorry. I guess we had an Atari. I played Frogger. (laughs) (laughs) You went from Frogger to Ocarina of Time. So that shit was, like, extra fucking (laughs) I was like, whoa, the future. (laughs) This is great. Oh, my God. You went from, like, 1978 (laughs) to 1998 in one bound. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting, though, because, like, yeah, like, I, I was raised playing so many of those games that like when they stopped making them, I was bummed out, which is actually part of the reason I loved any 2d game on the PS one, including uh symphony of the night was just like, it just like made me so happy. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm so glad they still make these kind of games. And yeah. the crazy thing about symphony of the night though, is that like, it is a 2d game. It is technically a throwback, but the design is super forward thinking. And like the design of the game at the time was super like groundbreaking. And that's what really made it stand out was like, none of us had ever played a 2d game like that. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that being said, that's like my first impression was I was really impressed with the animation quality. Yeah, so I was really impressed with the level of animation that they achieved with the pixel art, especially the way... Well, I went from... I got the Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night combo on PS4, and I started with Rondo, and I was like, this is painful in a way to play, because it just felt really stiff, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I booted up... So I did like 15 minutes of that, and then I booted up Symphony of the Night, and I was like, holy shit, this is like light years maybe not maybe i'm exaggerating i'm exaggerating not really though because like well so the thing about castlevania is that i've mentioned this before on this show but like there is a big like generational divide amongst like people who like castlevania or why is castlevania so fucking hard to say (laughs) castlevania castlevania castle i'm leaving all this let's have some water what happened to me what did I do? Sometimes if I screamed a bunch the night before, like if we were recording like harsh shit, like I'll, I'll have a hard time next day, but I didn't. You know what I did last night? I played Dark Souls. Maybe that's it. You got uh, cursed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, Dude, so, good like, for you playing Dark Souls. Though. Yeah, I, I played Bloodborne. I played Dark Souls 3, and then now I'm nice. doing Dark Souls 1. Cool. Then I think I'm going to do Dark Souls 2. And then Sekiro. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm doing them all. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really fun, actually. I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, and it makes my like actual work seem really easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to do all those like product mock-ups and shit, and that's like my least favorite shit to do, and it's so annoying. And then, But, like, you know, after Dark Souls, it's just like, well, whatever. This is a treat. <laughs> Oh, I just have to adjust the fucking black point on this t-shirt. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's totally acceptable. Um, yeah, okay. So when you talk about Castlevania, there are like generational divides and there are like big differences between how people see the series and like how fans, uh, you know, see the series. And because, you know, Castlevania started in the NES era, like Castlevania won through three we're all in the nes the original castlevania is a weird game because it's like the most nes ass game ever made but it's also like once again very forward thinking like it's not a non-linear game it is very much a linear game but 
the levels were really vertical and they like switched orientation a lot. So you'd be going left and right. And like, you really felt like you were going up through like a tower or you were traversing a castle, even though it was still just like level one, level two, level three, you know, but it's also super difficult. It has this crazy knockback. It's, it's a very frustrating game. The enemies, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they would respawn every screen scroll. So not just when you come back wow. into a room like in Symphony of the Night, but it was like screen scrolling. G. Wow, I said old G. Old G. The OG Dark Souls. <laughs> I believe Souls game. OG is actually an abbreviation for old G. Old G. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is. The old original. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the old original. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it was like that. And then in Castlevania 2, I believe they added some more like RPG elements and like some more kind of like nonlinear elements. And for the next few games in the series, it kept that core NES feel and design. And they were basically just upgrading the graphics and upgrading like, um, you know, certain little gameplay things. Like some of them, if you had a whip, it would let you whip in any direction or hold the whip and like whip in any direction or like they'd add little things. They'd tweak the jump, add certain abilities, things like that. But it's really not that different. Rondo of blood is so beloved because a lot of the old school Castlevania fans are like, that's the perfection of the NES formula, but it feels like an NES game. Mm -hmm. Like there's no denying that unless you're drinking the like old school Castlevania Kool-Aid, you pick it up and you're like, this is dusty. Like, it's not, I mean, I love that game. It's a great game, but it's like, I'm dusty too. Like, it makes sense. But you play that game and you're like, dude, this is dusty as fuck. Uh, but then Symphony of the Night is not dusty at all. No, it's no, not. It's the, what's the opposite of dusty? Um, Pristine. <laughs> shiny. Shiny. What do you call it when you like buffed? <laughs> it's been buffed. Buffed and polished. Uh, detailed. Po- polished. <laughs> polished. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, I, yeah, that's a video game term. Polished. Polished. Yeah. Polished. Yeah. That's a freebie for I you. think there's a polished armor in the game, actually. Oh. That you use against Medusa. That's true. Yeah. So there you go. And it's shiny. And so. it's shiny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like Symphony of the Night was a huge step forward for the series. And that's why it's kind of like endured. Like it basically set the design template for like the whole rest of the series you know like even up until a couple years ago they did the um bloodstained which is the spiritual successor to this era of castlevania games and it basically plays like symphony of the night you know sweet yeah and i mean the thing that i we reviewed that game and in that episode i just talked for so so long about how there's all these other like Iga Castlevania games. That's like Koji Igarashi uh, was the assistant director on Symphony of the Night. He's apparently responsible for a lot of the like important design ideas in it. And like the controls are a big one. I guess during development, he said that he really wanted the controls to feel smooth and have like a better feel as opposed to the old Castlevania. Like when I think of the old Castlevania, yes. I think about going upstairs in Castlevania 4. Like you had to like press up. And your character would do this little weird, like, goat stepping (laughs) animation to go up the stairs. And it's like, (laughs) it felt bad. It looked bad. It was really weird, but it's just so, like, or maybe I'm thinking of Dracula X. One of those Super (laughs) Nintendo games. It was just like, why would you 
just make him go up the stairs. Like, why would you put <laughs> Just have him float. Float up. Just let me jump or walk <laughs> up the stairs. Why would you make me do Oh, yeah. You can't jump? No, there's like... Well, I think you maybe could, but there's some where you had to walk up it. You had this little goat step. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> Who did that? Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Past, yeah, Symphony of the Night does not do that. No. I, yeah, I just remember first playing it and just being like, oh my god, I love playing this. Because <laughs> you're Alucard and he's like, I don't know, yeah, it makes sense that they were looking to have the um, control smoother because it definitely feels that way. It feels more intuitive. Yeah. Well, and another thing about the animations, so like the animations and the visual design, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's something really cool about the way they use animation in the game. Because like if you look at his walk cycle, like it's so smooth and yeah. it like looks really good and it makes you feel like you're hustling even when you're not. So like yeah. you don't actually walk that fast right. in the game. But I think the animation cycle makes you feel like you're walking faster than you are. Yeah. I think coming from an animator perspective, the like attention to detail in the animation with the cape. Like you're saying in the walk cycle, the cape like follows through. It's not just this like blocky object that could just, mm -hmm. you know, you can make a cool pixel animation of it just kind of like floating or whatever, but they d made it more realistic. Like it felt like it was based on like hand-drawn pencil tests or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. made into pixel art. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think that's what, because the biggest thing for me is when it feels too clunky, it really takes me out of the game and that doesn't happen in that game. I can get really sucked in. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a huge level up. And even if you don't know, like if you haven't played the rest of the series and you don't know that the rest of the games just jack this game style 100%, like you can feel that there's a concerted shift. Like one thing that's interesting to say on visuals is like the character design. They brought in a new character designer who took it in this more like uh, Bishonen like influenced direction so like everybody's like an anime pretty boy yep <laughs> which is so much cooler than what came before where everyone was like a square jawed yeah like, kind of just like action hero like castlevania had like a weirdly like western action hero look to it before and then suddenly it had this very like delicate like yeah. look to all the characters and everything and that fits the game so well because the game has this like high gothic look to it there's it's very ornate so having like yeah. delicate character designs makes sense. Yeah, I really appreciate that too. And I was watching the show actually. I'd only seen the first oh, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I watched the second season, rewatched the first season, watched the second season while playing this game. And that was really cool to just see the similarities and like the things they drew upon from the game. It's very satisfying. Um, specifically <laughs> at the beginning there's that like bat demon that like carries the pterodactyl oh, yeah. with a pike and it just drops it on you and that's in the show and i laughed so hard because it in the game it's so ridiculous yeah. i was like is this really happening like this is their big move that they have they just like <laughs> drop this dude on me like and it's super predictable yeah. so it's like you can you know it's like with any game where with the boss where you just have to get to know their cycles and what they do and mm -hmm. work around it um but yeah i just thought that was super funny Oh, yeah, for sure. The design of the bosses in this game is ridiculous. Yeah, some of them are super, like, over the top. 
there's like yeah. a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there's like a lot of humor. That too, yeah. In the the boss and also the enemy designs. Like there's a lot of just really funny stuff. <laughs> um I think my favorite is there's like the skeleton whose head keeps falling off and his name yeah. is Yorick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's just fun. That's just funny. But yeah, actually, dude, the best reason to like play the whole inverted castle part of the game is to see like the later bosses in the game because the designs get like so insane. Yeah. Like you can definitely see where the game Blasphemous got like all of its swag from is like the end of Symphony of the Night. Like basically, well, like the boss Beelzebub in in symphony of the night that's basically every like blasphemous boss is just that it's like a big gross guy who's just like bleeding a lot it's like yeah sick i need to get to that guy i got to death and Mm. some other one yeah death is iconic um the one i kept dying on and i just gave up was like this anubis type character who's huge Mm -hmm. and like just kills you with lightning yeah so that's where i stopped (laughs) It's like, I got to come back to this later. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's it's crazy because like Symphony of the Night just set so many templates for, you know, the rest of its own series, but also like other series like, you know, these the way that the bosses are designed, the way that you fight the bosses, the way the game is structured. Like, so, you know, the part of the reason I want to talk to you about it was because like when I started playing Bloodborne, which we talked about last Bloodborne's time. Dead. It's Bloodborne's dad. Like, I was like, oh, Bloodborne is like the 3D Castlevania game that we never got. Totally. Right? Yeah. When you you texted me that and I was actually playing the game at that moment and I like looked up (laughs) and there's like a statue. I talked about statues in the Bloodborne episode. But yeah, the statue, I was like, holy shit, you're right. (laughs) It is Bloodborne's dad. And then it just uh, confirmed as I went on. There's like even... A Cthulhu type monster that looks like one of the brain suckers in mm-hmm. Bloodborne. Yeah. And there's something else that was like Oh yeah, yeah. You called the inverted castle or mm-hmm. whatever. Upset, yeah. Whatever that's called. Yeah. Um the uh, DLC, the Hunter's yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Because it's super hard compared to the rest of the regular game. Yeah. Well, so I guess like the basic idea with Symphony of the Night going into it from a design perspective was that they wanted to make like a 2D game that you could play for a long time and that had a lot of depth to it, like people at that time had come to expect from 3D games. So like, you know, people played Ocarina of Time and they're like, (laughs) okay, or they played Final Fantasy Mm VII and they're like, okay, well now I can play this game for 60 hours and it's a big adventure you know, that stands in contrast to going back and I play Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, I can beat the whole game in 30 minutes or whatever, you yeah. know? So they wanted to make a game that was a 2D, vaguely kind of an old school type game that you could play for a long time and have a lot of depth. And part of the genius of the design there is that the game does have like these different tiers to it and these different sections to it. So like you can play through the main game pretty fast yeah. and you can roll the credits, yeah. but then there's like a secret thing you do and you unlock the inverted castle which is the whole second part of the game you yeah. know it has new areas new enemies it's all upside down it's super like weird and psychedelic but it's not necessary per se like if you weren't like super into the game but you liked it you could just kill richter roll credits and like I killed richter in like a minute oh yeah <laughs> i was for like sure. what the fuck 
<laughs> yeah. That's when I was like, there's no way this is the, re- like, what happened? Yeah. But that's, like, such a cool thing. And, like, I had, at that time, I had never seen that in the game. Like, yeah. now that's pretty common. Yeah. But, I mean, like, all these Souls and Souls-like games sort of borrow that concept as well. Because, like, if you want to, you can beeline through a Souls game. Yeah. Or you can do all the side stuff, you can do all the DLC, all the end stuff. And, like, I think specifically with Bloodborne, it really had that feel of, like, you know, the DLC and stuff being, like, the inverted castle, where it's, like, it's pretty long, it's pretty involved, and it adds a lot to the game, but if you're also not feeling it, like, you don't necessarily have to do it. Totally. But it's also, like, the, the bosses and the areas in that part are so cool. Yeah. It's just, like, really hard <laughs> yeah it adds a lot to the overall story it rewards the gamer who wants to like explore more mm-hmm. and you know be more curious instead of just going like a straight through play mm-hmm. um yeah so that's pretty cool yeah the other thing i was thinking about a lot when comparing bloodborne to symphony of the night is i think that having I think making the game fun to traverse and having like a good difficulty balance is a huge part of why both of those games are successful. Cause like Symphony of the Night, it's so easy and fun to just run around the whole castle. Yeah. And so like, that's like one thing that I do, I don't know how common this is, but like when I get a new ability, like when I get a double jump or a dash or whatever the ability is, I'll just make a loop of the whole castle. Yeah. And I was okay, what did I miss? So like, exactly. I, you don't ever need a walkthrough until the weird stuff at the end where it's like, oh yeah, yeah you need to wear these two rings and look at a clock <laughs> yeah. or some shit. It's like, okay, I'm not going to figure Go that out. Go find the succubus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Yeah. What did you just call me? <laughs> um, yeah. But like, just because the game is so fun to traverse, it's like, oh, I can just do that. And it makes the game super fun. And that stands in really stark contrast to the older Castlevania games where it's like very linear. You just get through the level. It's really hard. When you get past a section, you're like, I'm never going back there. And you don't have any reason to, you know? And like, I think that's the difference between like Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne, for example, Mm -hmm. where it's like, because I'm playing Dark Souls 1 right now and like, without all the conveniences that they added in the later games, it's brutal. Like, you can't warp from bonfires. Ugh. Yeah. Just that alone, it makes the game, like, so brutal. yikes. Yeah. And it's even just, like, the design of the areas is so, like, Castlevania 1, you know? Or, like, yeah, Castlevania 1, where it's just, like, straight line, get through, it's hard as fuck. And once you do it, you're like, well, I'm never going back there. Never, ever again. You couldn't pay me to, you know? And, like, I think that stands in really stark contrast to Bloodborne, where it's just fun to move around. Like, it's just fun to go through that world. Everything is super gorgeous. The design is amazing. And so, like, when you add that in, it really, really changes the game. Like, it really makes it just a totally different type of game. Yeah. Yeah. It also changed my view on Bloodborne, actually. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> um, I don't know, it just adds this whole extra level to it when I compare the two games and seeing the similarities. One thing, I was talking about this a little bit in some episode I did by myself that's sort of vaguely about this topic, but like, 
part of the reason Symphony of Night is like so good is that the map is so good. Oh yeah, the map is essential. Yeah. <laughs> when I found that, I was like, thank God. <laughs> but even just like the design of the castle itself yeah. is like so good that um, like you don't feel like you're just playing levels. You feel like you're playing one big world. Yeah, it feels every- open world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everything is interconnected. And, like, that's so essential to, like, making the game feel really fun. And that's something that I think that Bloodborne kind of nails. But that I think that other games... Like, so Dark Souls 1 doesn't do that, really. And I know from reading about it that Demon's Souls doesn't either. You know, Demon's Souls sounds almost more like Skyward Sword or something. Where there's, like, a oh. hub and then you just, like, warp to different places. Oh. Um so I think like that's why Bloodborne has that Castlevania feel because everything is interconnected and all the shortcuts are really fun to use like they're not just fun to find it's actually fun to like use them and move around the world and stuff and that's like I mean Symphony of the Night basically invented that like dude yeah finding the shortcuts in that game is like insane yeah yeah that was another point I wanted to make is the no explanation on how anything works (laughs) just like Bloodborne because like it took me forever to figure that out when I was like found this giant keyhole oh yeah and i was like this is cool all right and then like i accidentally pressed up when i was in there and i just like disappeared i was like what's happening <laughs> yeah and then i showed up in another portal i was like okay yeah now this game is even better <laughs> like i don't have to just walk around everywhere um, yeah yeah and the same with like the special moves i guess i don't know the special moves are hard to do for me mm-hmm. i don't know if you've messed around with those on the like the spells you can get and summon things you have to like press a bunch of buttons yeah. <laughs> which I hate Yeah, <laughs> I've always hated that in games <laughs> ever uh-huh. since I was a kid anyway um, fuck <laughs> I forgot <laughs> what I was talking about uh, what not explaining saying. anything not explaining anything yeah so the save points oh yeah 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 the familiars too yeah because I would pick up the relics for familiars and did not understand how that worked at all until like halfway through the game and then I turned one on and I was like oh my god I have a bat friend (laughs) yeah and then you can also morph into a bat and the bat likes it and it has like a little heart above its head when you morph into a bat and it's like the cutest thing ever bats are super cute yeah to me yeah even though they carry rabies they're adorable we did catch a bat yeah you taught me how to catch a bat (laughs) in a bucket and it's basically a tiny dog with wings that one was really cute. Yeah. The one that I, all we all bats are cute. Yeah. That I've seen in real life. Um some of them though, <laughs> the really little ones, oh. they look like mice and they're super sweet. Oh. And like that's the one that we caught. Yeah. But they get bigger than that and they're kind of <laughs> like vampire bats. They look more like rats. Mm. And they're not cute. Yeah. Rats are kind of cute though. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I'm not no 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 diss, <laughs> no shade to rats. Rats are cool. <laughs> rats are cool. But like, you know, they get bigger in their light less cute all and right i've caught it i had to catch like, like four people. or five just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's true the little the little people <laughs> they're cute i always used to joke that i was like for me i was like yeah like once i was 25 i was like i'm not cute anymore no <laughs> like i can be good looking still but you can't call me cute anymore. like come on i'm, I'm too old for that my brain's fully developed don't call me cute <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not. I haven't been cute since I was two. <laughs> yeah, you gotta call me handsome. Now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> but we we caught a bat, and yeah. it was like the cutest bat I've ever seen in real yeah. life. And it was really tired too. So just saying, like, <sighs> it was panting. That's <laughs> yeah. why it was panting like a dog. So yeah. bats are dogs. Bats with are wings. dogs. I caught so many bats in that house, though. Yeah. It sucked. I never got tested for rabies, and it wasn't yeah. until I moved out that I realized I probably should have. I never Obviously, did I'm fine, yeah. but yeah. I never did either, and I think the real reason was that I was just like a psychopath <laughs> in my mid-20s, but I, the, reason, the reasoning I had was that it never got into anywhere I slept, and I True. know that I didn't. I never got bit. Like right. if I'd been bit, I would have obviously just gone straight to a hospital. Right. But yeah. It never got into anywhere I slept and I never got bit. And that was like when I talked to people, everyone said like, yeah, if like a bat got into our house, we had to get tested because it got into our bedroom. Uh, and we like woke up to it. On your face. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. That's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it is. Um, I did get attacked by a bat while I was like on the toilet. <laughs> That's, that's a true story um oh my god that was a fucking nightmare it was calculating your vulnerabilities yeah for sure <laughs> got you it at the right like time attack. <laughs> no it like well you remember how that house like none of the walls met the floors no so like insulation exposed yeah but so like critters would Pulse. get in and it was just like you never it was never like how that kid because there's like there's just there's cracks and holes everywhere but i actually saw it crawl out from under the fucking wall oh my god and i thought it was a mouse because it was just like crawling out but they just <gasps> took flight and i was like oh no they like to crawl they yeah. do a little army crawl <laughs> yeah, it's fucking not cute okay that shit was fucking gross but yeah we caught a bat uh yeah i i you know what's funny is like i'm not I'm f still cool with bats. I don't know. Like I had so many bad experiences and it was, it sucked. Um, and it was like, obviously you never want a bat in your living space. Yeah. The best one was when two absolute dumbasses lived with us <laughs> and they found a bat and they were chasing it around with ten with like racket ball rackets. Oh no. Or no, or no. Like what they is were going to swat it out of the air. I don't know what they were thinking. Badminton. Oy. That's what it was. Like badminton rackets. And they were chasing it around and they were like, we chased it into the attic. Cool. <laughs> and I was like, no, well, maybe it escaped. And I was like, no. And I go up in the attic and it's just there. They chased it into the attic where you work. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank you for chasing it into my fucking office, basically. <laughs> like, very cool. I mean, they were two absolute fucking morons. Um, <laughs> Wow. And uh, I went up there and I was like, okay, I'm going to go catch it. And this, like, that was the first time I had to catch a bat. It was like right around the time we moved in. Um, first time I had to catch a bat. And I already had a plan. I didn't even have to look it up or anything. I was like, well, obviously, you just get a container with a lid and you slide the lid kind of under <laughs> like a spider it. Spider catcher. And then you, you put the thing on top of it and you slide the lid shut and you catch it in there, take it outside, you release it. Very logical. But so I already knew I, that's what I had to do. And then Monica was like, let me help you. Uh-oh. And I was like, no, 
don't I don't want your help. She's like, why not? And I was like, you're ner- you're like freaking out and you're making me nervous because you're freaking out. Like, I'm not nervous, but I am if you stand behind me. And she insisted because she was like, I need to make sure that nothing happens to you. And that if it does, Aww. like, and but it was not cute. And I was like, because I was yeah, like, but that's so nice. Yeah. But she, so her big <laughs> idea was so that fun. she was going to bring some Windex to in case it <laughs> tried to fly at us. She was going to spray it, which was like, I was like, dude, you're not going to spray the fucking Ouch. thing with Windex. And so instead, what ended up happening was that I went to go do my thing. And when I put the lid under it, it kind of started crawling, which you expect because you're like bumping it. And she screamed and threw the bottle of Windex and ran. So then I just ran, too, because the bat like took off. And instead, I had to just leave it up there to calm down for like hours and then go up later at night and do it. (laughs) That was frustrating. That was like there was three other people in the house and nobody knew how to catch a fucking bat. Now you're the bat uh, catcher. Now I'm the bat catcher. Thankfully, I haven't had to catch a bat in years. Although one time, I guess a bat almost flew into me when I was outside our practice space. I didn't see it. That's problems. I was standing at the edge of the parking lot, though, and a bunch of guys went, whoa. And I turned around and I was like, what? And they were like, a bat almost just like flew into you, dude. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unfazed. Cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can be a bat and you can fly <laughs> in Sophia the Night, and you can fly around with your friend who's also a bat. Yeah, without being afraid of rabies. Yeah. Nobody, there's no rabies status effect. No, there isn't. There's no. poison. What's the stone? Stone, curse. Oh, yeah, curse, curse which you sucks. just can't draw your weapon for can't like do shit. 10 seconds or something. Yeah. Um, did you know? You knew. You can turn into the wolf and just run through everybody. Yeah. <laughs> when I just discovered that, that was a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And just like dart through and then get to the boss that I'm like way too low of a level to beat mm-hmm. because I just yeah. tried to power through. Yeah. Anyway. Man, it's, it's so crazy to think about like Symphony of the Night um, in comparison to like the games that came before it because like they added so much shit in for that game like it wasn't just that they made the game longer or they made it non-linear it's like they added powers they added magic they added rpg shit so stats equipment all that stuff um and it just like it's so nuts but yeah they don't really explain like anything no like and i i was trying what to did they rem- do before google you just had to buy the game like manual or whatever well yeah so the game i mean well strategy guys obviously strategy were popular guys. at the time but it <laughs> the came, things i never bought <laughs> it came with a big ass manual i oh, remember okay, that okay that makes so more sense i feel like what's really funny about comparing comparing it to like the FromSoft games is mm-hmm. that those games purposefully are obtuse where it's like they they purposefully don't tell you mm-hmm. about anything but i think Symphony of the Night is like 30% that way and I think it's like 70% that you're supposed to have the manual and like any re-release of the game just like doesn't include the manual because it's done by Konami and they don't give a shit <laughs> like they're just like whatever fuck you you're gonna buy this yeah like, and I actually play the same version you played just because I I don't know I just wanted to play it on my TV yeah. I was like this will be fun for a week how does it compare to the original Well, so the big change is that it has a new script and new voice acting, which is not a huge part of the game, but some people... It's iconic, though. Yeah. From what I've heard. Yeah. They're, you know, it's 
iconically hilariously bad and there's the one line you know what is a man a miserable pile of secrets (laughs) that changed it to oh god i forgot what it was yeah i mean something not as fun yeah it it does make so like one thing about the later castlevania games like from this game on is that they have these little cutscenes, and they're all like 10 seconds long so you really can't complain but they're also like entirely unnecessary (laughs) like it's just like I don't care. Like, why are you showing me this? And this game, because they fixed the script, it like gives it that feel. Whereas like the original, whenever there was dialogue, you're like, oh yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like like Mega Man Legends or like Mega Man 8 or something, where it's just like, here we go. <laughs> Somebody's gonna say something really stupid, <laughs> like this rocks. Um so it it I don't know. I think that's the only big difference. I guess like other than that, it's fine. Uh it is like a weird like windowed emulation thing so like it starts it as like a tiny window oh yeah and you have to mm-hmm. do full screen and then you i had to change the the background to just black because otherwise it's like that weird like image that like didn't a, really bother me i hate that i liked it a lot really I, I felt like it was setting a tone yeah and i appreciated that they didn't just I don't know. I can see not liking it though, but I did like that. Like there was thought put into mm-hmm. the aspect ratios different, but let's not just make it some basic thing. Yeah. They include like a illustration of the castle. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. But it plays exactly the same. There's no issue yeah. with it. Um, the nice thing, I guess with like playing it on a, dual shock which is actually funny because the first oh, yeah. time i played that game i played it with the original ps1 controller uh is that when you have the thumbstick like the joystick it's a lot easier to do the special moves and also to do the super jump because um, i straight up can't do the super wait, jump. wait what's the super jump the thing where you press down and then up and go like whoosh. um never done that you didn't get that is that <laughs> optional i don't know i just got the double jump oh it's There's not a called super a super jump? jump. It's called something else. Is it in gravity? The it's down the gravity castle. boots. No. It's in the oh, it is. Maybe it is the gravity boots. I just never figured Good, it out. It's really hard it with a D pad. Yeah, because you have to go. It's like you flick down and then up while pressing jump, and the timing is weird on the joystick. You can do it with the D pad or the joystick, but it's way mm. easier with the joystick. I only use the D pad for some reason. Yeah, I mean, the D-pad's better for, like, 99% of the game. But that's, like, the two things that it makes oh. easier are the special moves and the super jump. That makes a lot of sense. I just saw the special moves, and it's, like, you know, left and then, like, lower left. <laughs> and then I was like, how do I do that? Like, Yeah. Does it... I just didn't trust the joystick to, like, register that. Mm. It's, like... But well, I'll try it. Okay, so one weird thing that's in this game is the special moves. And they're all, like, Street Fighter inputs. So, like, Mm. do you ever play Street Fighter? Like, once. Okay. A long time ago. Street Fighter introduced something called a quarter turn, which is where you turn a joystick, like, a quarter of the way um, in in a certain direction. It's like, you know, quarter turn up and punch is, like, kind of like a secondary, like, special move for most characters in Street Fighter. Um, And so this game uses those. So if you play Street Fighter, special moves are actually really easy because it's just Street Fighter. But (laughs) if you you don't, it's like, oh, this is really, really hard. But it's a a really odd choice that also the game doesn't tell you. They're not in the menus. They might be in the manual once again. Like, 
but yeah. that's about it. So you mean the moves themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in the start or the menu screen. Oh, is it in your game when you're like looking at items? There's like a. Oh, I uh, forgot. I think it's just called like spells or something. Okay. Or or special moves. I can't remember, but it is in that list. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but it's just like a really odd thing. And then yeah, it's the same with summoning. Like you have to put in these weird <laughs> button inputs, like. It's really, really bizarre. But once again, it's just like another cool little thing they added to the game that kind of changes it. Like, I think for me playing that Symphony of the Night for the first time um, and replaying it, it's like the thing that I love about it is that it's not just a game where they added in RPG elements to, which is like a pretty popular design style now where it's like, oh, we're making a racing game? Let's just make it so you can level up your car, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's like you actually play it like an RPG where like mm-hmm. you can grind yeah. and you can go and like practice and you can go do like extra exploration. And Totally did that to level up my familiars. Yeah. <laughs> just like leave the room and sure. come back. Well, and so like with the games after this, all the spiritual successors to this game are on the Game Boy Advance and the DS actually and like my favorites are like the last game boy advance game and the first ds game um that's like uh aria of sorrow and dawn of sorrow those two are like so 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 good but they added in more weapons and they added in more familiars but the familiars kind of are the special moves in that game and so like a lot of people called it like the Castlevania Pokemon, which is like basically what it is. And like everything is random drops though. So like that's a game where you'll literally like when you get to the clock tower, it's like, okay, literally go in and out and kill this guy 500 times and just get like everything. Oh, wow. And so it's like, it gets really like MMO, like grindy. Yeah. Um, So they just go further into that. But like, dude, it's so good. Oh my my God. God. Those are like, I love those Game Boy Advance and the first like DS Castlevania game. Like those are maybe my favorite Castlevania games. They're like so good. Can you get those anywhere now? Uh yeah, like on an emulator. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the PlayStation Store had a bunch of games, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think they've really released those. Maybe they have now. I don't keep up with it because it's just like it's always such a weird mess, but I can give it to you. I can give you like the ROMs if you want. <laughs> give me the ROM. I mean, it's the best vacuous way to play. Vacuous spider. <laughs> ROM the vacuous spider, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely just uh, edited in the moaning sound. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So you you do you do the what's his name? Mikolash. Oh <laughs> fuck! <laughs> nope. What? I was talking about the cat. Oh Mi- yeah, Mikolash. You do the Mikolash voice at the cat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's a cool thing to do, I think. They don't care. Wait, the cat's name is Fox Mulder? Yeah. That's so funny. Fox Mulder FBI. <laughs> that's what I call him. That's really funny. Yeah, he's really cool. I was just talking the other day about how Fox Mulder is like one of the most annoying TV characters ever. 
<laughs> not from the start though. He develops into absolutely hateable yeah. garbage man. You just expect him to always be the like anti everything guy. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. What do you hate about him? Well, okay, so like when it starts, he's like this young, naive, idealistic guy. Yeah. So he's like annoying, but in a relatable way. Where it's like, oh yeah, like everybody was young and naive at some point. So you're just like, yeah. okay, cool, yeah. And it's like a good show. It's got a good story. He's got a great foil. So it's like, okay, it all works. But then like as the show goes on, he just doesn't change. He just gets <laughs> older. And so like by I think he gets more like pessimistic too. Yeah, but he's still childish. Yeah, totally. Like he doesn't get like grizzled. Like that would have been interesting as a character arc to have him get really grizzled, but like he doesn't. He's still like a real like childish asshole. <laughs> and so like by the end of the show, you just like hate him. Or like by the time he leaves the show, because he leaves like yeah. in season six, I think. I don't know, Scully. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's all I can like hear. <laughs> yeah. By the time he leaves it's you're just like fuck you and then the funny thing <laughs> Good is credits yeah he comes back for the last season and he ruins the show <laughs> like season seven and eight are surprisingly like very good like season eight is actually very very good um when it's like scully and robert patrick aka t2000 oh yeah yeah like that season's really good and then in the ninth season they bring back Mulder, and it's like the worst season of the show it's like pretty much unwatchable and then it like leads into the finale yeah i don't even remember it really have you seen the last episode of the x-files probably yes i know i've watched all of it okay but it's, i really don't remember okay the last episode of the x-files is maybe the worst episode of television <laughs> oh, like no. in history so it's a combination courtroom episode um, ghosts of the past episode oh, where everybody God. returns to the ghost and clip show. Oh no. Because there's tons of clips from older episodes and it's all about Mulder oh, no. being held in like a secret prison and in a military tribunal. And they're like, do you remember when you did this roll clip? And then he's like back in his cell and he's like, what would, I don't know, Luke Wilson think or something. <laughs> and then like, you know, they show up or whatever. Like, it is the worst. Holy and, shit. No wonder why I don't remember it. Yeah. And the best part is, so for the whole episode, they're bringing back older characters as ghosts so that even people who have died can like come back, oh. you know, and like do a cameo. Um, and, but then like at the end of the episode, they bring back some people for real. Like, so for no reason, like the Smoky Man is actually alive. Because and, he's the best. Yeah. He's the best character. But he, like, lives in a cave and, like, does meditation or something. Hey. But then they kill him by a missile. He's not dead, though. Yeah, He comes back in the new... <laughs> a helicopter shoots a missile at him. He's invincible because he smoked so many cigarettes. He smoked so many cigs that he's, you just can't kill him. Yeah, he's a living mummy. Yeah, he... Or something. He pickled himself. <laughs> preserved. <laughs> he's just... He is yeah. the cancer man. He uses it to his uh, benefit. <laughs> yeah. He just smells like a high school dissection lab and he'll never die. Oh my it's God. <laughs> that is very accurate. <laughs> I can like smell that right now. Can't you? Yeah. I can. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yuck. Anyway, that is the worst episode of TV ever. Yeah. Anytime there's a clip show, I just get really pissed off and I feel robbed. But it's just all, it's like clip show random courtroom episode ghost 
episode, like when they're stuck and they're getting guided, they're like stuck in a I well. I wish I had a ghost guided. guide. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'll be your ghost guide here until you don't <laughs> fucking watch the last episode of the X Files. It is such a bummer, and the ending is so stupid. Like, and it's the worst kind of stupid where you can tell that they were like, "This is really good." Like they're they're writing it and they're just like, "Oh, oh, this is." good shit and then you're like watching and you're like this is the worst thing i've ever seen because it's like an homage to the first episode it ends the same way the first episode ends remind it's, me the first episode ends with this like a very iconic shot of them um Mulder's like sitting Mulder's like laying on a bed and scully's like sitting on the floor and they're just like talking and like that's the same way the last episode ends and they were Aww. like this is so good that's but like cute it would have been cute, cute if you hadn't just watched like an atrocity beforehand. <laughs> you basically just watched like a public beheading video and then they try and throw like a little cute bookend on it. It's like, fuck you guys. That's pretty bad. Not as bad as the last season of Game of Thrones, though. I've never seen Game I of Thrones. I know you haven't. Actually, I'm saying not true. One time. What? I watched approximately 30 minutes of an episode of Game of Thrones after I sustained a pretty bad head injury. So let's just say time you should watch it. I can't remember. Okay. But I do remember my coworker who found me and basically just being like, we're going to sit down here in the basement and watch game of Thrones. I was like, okay, (laughs) but, uh, I hit my head very hard. Wow. So I don't remember. Are you okay? That's a TBI. You you tell me. (laughs) Oh no. Oh god. I have legitimately hit my head so many times in my life that I wonder if it's like a pretty core component of my personality. So you're a serial killer maybe? Well, I That's one of the things. Well, <laughs> head injury. I mean, I feel I like I got one of those too. <laughs> I feel like serial killer is pretty binary. It's like you either <laughs> you either are or you aren't and I can say that I'm not a serial you're killer. You're one-third serial killer. <laughs> what that means I'm <laughs> It's it's like a game like if you collect you collected the head injury. <laughs> now you have to go and collect childhood trauma. Uh, okay. Maybe, um, never mind. So <laughs> it's like, I definitely collected the childhood trauma <laughs> yeah. and the head injury. I guess I didn't. So it's like if you. Pissing it, the bed until you're like 15 years old. Okay, didn't have that. Okay. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, animals. Do you torture animals? No. You do not do that. <laughs> I was going to say that like, it's like a. A character progression tree for humans and it's like i leveled up some of the serial killer <laughs> stuff but i didn't unlock the trait it's because you have too much empathy yeah that tree i had too far into that's good yeah okay that's how it works yeah okay that's how the simulation has it all uh, planned out for us but i bet it's all really weird and complicated like final fantasy 10 and not nice and straightforward like uh with all the like orbs and yeah and links that you have to unlock yeah you can like just see the thing beyond your reach but you have to get like 10 other things first <laughs> yeah i'm right there it's oh, life let me in <sighs> no <laughs> no no um yeah so symphony of the night <laughs> <laughs> hey hey i remembered what you were talking about before i had what was i talking to about? leave um that you like get new abilities and you go back and revisit places what i was going to add on to that is that the game i mean it's pretty apparent there's some places where you're like ah, i can't reach there mm-hmm. except i'm 
psychotic so i would just try to reach places i couldn't reach and sometimes i would get it i'm like there has to be an easier way so then yeah when i got the bat power i was like oh now i can go anywhere (laughs) yeah so i just went back to like every single corner and yeah checked it out found all the cool stuff yeah well that's my favorite kind of game design Mm -hmm. where it's like kind of open-ended and you can see and be tantalized by all the things and then you just come back later and find them again and like especially playing it without a guide is really fun because then like you get to discover all that for yourself or like you kind of already have a guide because you have a map and so you can look on the map and see like oh i got stopped here so i'm gonna go back there and maybe it's not even what you're looking for but it might be and it's cool it's just like it's so addicting yeah it's such a good loop yeah like I was talking to, well, I ran into another one of my friends kind of unexpectedly, and he's also going to come on the show and talk about Castlevania because he was like, I just need to talk about Castlevania. <laughs> like, okay, sure, man. He's the whole series. He's like, I just need to talk about Castlevania. I was like, okay, sure. Great. Yeah, yeah and he rocks. Uh, Miguel rocks. I'm looking forward to that. But like, we were talking about it, and it's like, there are things that, like, before I started playing the Souls games, I had only done in Castlevania. And so it's like the super completionisty thing mm-hmm. where it's like, I need to get the whole map. I need to get all the relics. It's not up for negotiation. <laughs> like I have to do it like that thing or grinding. Like I don't grind. Even when I would play RPGs, I hated grinding. It was so boring. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, let me just use a strategy guide and I'll be like, yeah, I'll just use demi and you'll be there i was like hey great i don't want to grind but castlevania i'll literally just like i was saying i'll go into the same room like 80 times just kill yeah. a guy over and over it's like i know he drops a cool thing yeah i want that thing totally <laughs> i'm totally with you i do know that was like one of the complaints i heard from someone was that they don't like that about the game having to retrace your steps mm. which i think is like just like a thing like either you like it or you don't like either you like the straightforward story you don't like to <laughs> linger yeah anywhere for too long <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that is but yeah i think that's it's like the one bad thing i heard about the game yeah that's well that's weird that's probably <laughs> someone who doesn't play horror games either yeah i don't imagine they do yeah because that's like what every horror game is yeah but like that's why that's why it's so good in castlevania and in bloodborne because it's like they make moving through the world like fun to do, but they also make it like satisfying in a visual sense. And they oh, also yeah. make it satisfying in like an experiential sense. Like as you move through the castle more and more, you get to know the layout and like you just know where to go. Yeah. And like once again, I think if you play games that don't really get this right, uh, they don't feel that way yeah. and they're not as fun. Like they can still be good games, but they really fumble that part of it. Like I said, blasphemous, I don't think has a good map. Mm. Blasphemous to me just feels like a bunch of levels. It doesn't feel like a Castlevania map where it's like a castle. Right. So I always was like, wait, where am I trying to go to? Everything is yeah. a weird name too. So it's like, Oh, am I trying to go to the, the, you know, the gravitational center of all sin or am i trying to go to the the pustule of fervor or like what am i you know so it's like i never got a grasp on it or even like playing dark souls one right now where if i'm like oh i missed something let me look up and see where it is and it's like it's here and i'm like where the fuck is that i can't warp there so it's like 
I have to literally look up a video of a guy doing it and he's talking the whole time like, okay, so the way that you're going to do it, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that sucks. But then like you go to Castlevania or you go to Bloodborne and it's not like that. Like Bloodborne, I felt like I knew the whole map, you know, yeah. like by, by the end of the game, I knew where all the shortcuts were. Yeah. Like I would have to warp once to get into the game and then maybe once again, if I was going somewhere really far away, but it was like, I could get wherever I wanted. Yeah. And that's like, that's the best thing yeah like, that's the best thing in games in my opinion mm-hmm. like yeah and i just thought that like so the upside down castle is like it says upside down so like forcing you to do that grind and and memorize all the different parts of the castle mm-hmm. sounds really dumb now that i'm saying it but i'm just realizing like oh that's really smart because then when you get to the upside down castle, it's not impossible. No. Like you can kind of remember where the save points are, mm-hmm. where the morph or <laughs> warp points, warp, yeah, warp, warp, <laughs> warp points are <laughs> the keyholes. Warp, warp, warp. Oh, can I also say in the show, there's a point where Dracula is moving his castle and it, they use the save point yeah animation i just thought that was really cool also when you do save that was my favorite part of the game the oh. little animation with the coffin i like screamed oh, when i saw it dude. i was like this is the best game ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude it doesn't okay. take much to impress me apparently <laughs> well no that's the thing is like so castlevania these castlevania games so like koji igarashi is the continuous like factor between all the games okay. right like he he was the assistant director on this one he became the series director after so he produced and directed like all the portable ones and then later did bloodstained and like so he calls them egovania which is like <laughs> really funny like i just think that's so funny because he's not wrong but it's just like so dumb you know it's like if i was like i have my own style of recording music which is true so i need to come up with like a dumb name for it that involves my own name it's like like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like i'm not i i don't practice uh audio recording i do jafadio <laughs> you know like it's really funny but anyway i'm, I'm now gonna use this really stupid term having said all that anyway so like the ego jafadio <laughs> um you have to say it like luigi oh yeah yeah it's a me <laughs> jafadio <laughs> their cousin it's like their nasty cousin lives in brooklyn do they live in brooklyn they probably might. i can't remember they're from the sewers or is that the turtles sorry they hang out in the sewers a lot they're plumbers yeah and you know it's like at some point gotta you, go down there sometime like i'm not from here but i hang out here a lot so in the sewer no, in, in Minnesota. <laughs> the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. Same. I get it. I get As they say, same, yeah. same. So, like, these are, like, my favorite games ever. Like, and in these Egovania games, which are my favorite games ever, basically, <laughs> uh, one thing that I had kind of forgotten about because I hadn't played them in a while is that a hallmark of his games is that there's all these little satisfying things that all kind of add up until you realize that the game just has this whole bunch of little like sensory things it does to keep you interested. And so like, okay, one, the sound design, the little noises that all the enemies make 
so good. And <laughs> every sound effect in the game is like the best sound effect you've ever heard in your life. So yeah. like when you whip a dude and he dies, he goes like, like <laughs> yes. And then like when you like the skeleton head sound when it bounces yeah. off, I can like hear it right now. Yeah. Or like, um, like once you get the item, although in the later game, so the later games really like finesse the formula. So some things become a lot more like smooth and become just part of the design. But in this game, you have to get a relic to do it. But it's like when you hit an enemy, you see their name pop up. Oh, yeah. Like that's one thing to me that's just like super satisfying. Or like, um, yeah, just like when you hit something, when you break a pot or something, it's just like a great sound effect, you know? And like you realize as you're moving through the castle, that's like, oh, like it's not just running around and doing combat. It's like you're kind of trying to trigger all these little sensory things that you just like love. It's like I love one shotting a guy because it's like you you hit him. He dies. He goes, and then like his name pops up on screen, and it's like I don't know, like that flames, and there's like flames, (laughs) and then like with the animations, the animations are all insanely good. So Mm -hmm. yeah, when you kill a bigger enemy, there's a crazy death animation. Yeah, they'll fall apart in pieces. They'll explode. There's fire, and it's just like insane. Yeah, it's so good. Ugh, so good. And like yeah, just even just things that you wouldn't really think about in another game like when you use the save point the animation is great or even like when you use the warps in the upside down castle because it doesn't make spatial sense anymore like a little elevator oh yeah pops out of the ground to take you (laughs) up it's just so funny it's like a little pink bar of soap just goes like boop and like (laughs) raises you up and it's just like little all these little things eventually add up you know so great yeah sound is super important to games Mm -hmm. as well as film yeah really creates the whole atmosphere yeah i just keep thinking of the bat because you squeak too when you're a bat it's like cheep cheep and i'm like this is so cute i want to be a bat the whole time yeah reminds me i played quake when i was a kid Mm -hmm. with my brother yeah and i was always like put in the cheat code to turn me into a chicken because i just (laughs) wanted to be a chicken (laughs) <laughs> and of course you die instantly but i was like this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> i just want to be the little flying guys i guess maybe that's where uh the idea for untitled goose game came from dude totally <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's i mean well that's another great example like the sound in that game is amazing yeah and it's like there are games where it doesn't really rely on like more traditional things it just uses all these little like sensory things and they all add up until the game is super satisfying yeah they're all important yeah and like a huge one in i'd say every castlevania game but especially from here on out because they started putting an emphasis on it is the music like holy shit the music yeah is so good and it's weird earworms yeah like i think the traditional castlevania music and the, the music in the series has always been super good but like Traditionally, it was kind of like a sort of ornate, almost orchestral sounding thing with like a rock backbeat. That -hmm. was kind of like the formula for most Castlevania music. But I think in this game, you can hear that they've expanded the palette a lot. So like there's all sorts of different types of music. It's weirdly funky. Mm -hmm. Like there's all this like 90s, almost like New Jack Swing like kind of shit happening. In the library with the librarians. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> or like the cave the underground cavern oh my god yeah that's like the best music in the game in my opinion yeah um and it's just like yeah it's super catchy mm-hmm. so it's like regardless of what motif they decide to use whether it's more like hip-hop or more rock or more that symphonic sound like it's just all catchy as fuck and it loops super well mm-hmm. so like yeah i mean it's so good and it's just another thing like you just get into the zone of like running through and like getting all these little sensory things and like you just want to keep playing yeah you know which is also similar to the souls a good souls game where you're just like i'll do one more thing yep Uh (laughs) uh-huh but in this game it's like they tie it to either bosses or like relics and items yeah so you're just like i'll get one more relic or like i'll do one more boss or like oh i'll just i'll go get the the spike armor because that'll be good to do and then like suddenly it's like three in the morning and you're just like your fucking like left thumb is killing you uh Dude, the PlayStation D-pad is still such fucking garbage. How has yeah. it been that way for how long? Twenty? Oh my god! Almost thirty Honestly, years. Honestly, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. How much it has not changed? And it's awful. It's wild. It's. I feel like it could be more ergonomic. Like literally anything <laughs> would be better. I would take li- like even the NES D-pad. Um, I don't know if this is a popular opinion, but I remember like as a kid, we all agreed like the NES D-pad really sucked. Um, and I would take that over the fucking PlayStation D-pad. I hate the Damn. four buttons. I hate that shit. It is tough. I have taken apart my controller several times because one time I spilled water on it mm-hmm. and it rumbled itself to death. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you about that. Yeah. So I'm familiar with the inner the inner uh, being uh-huh. of the controller. <laughs> and it's just like the D-pad is just this square. And you have to have it like arranged perfectly or else the buttons won't hit correctly so like i was noticing that like sometimes when i hit like left if i hit it like too far down it'll like read as down instead of the left button like stuff like that i feel like could be easily fixed (laughs) yeah it's just like i don't know there's just like a classic d-pad design that's a classic for a reason right and then there's other takes on it that like are even better like the switch d-pad is really good oh, on the, the switch uh, control the pro the sport, controller uh, yeah so good it's really good i think the the xbox one is fine i have no complaints i'm not going to go out of my way and say it's like incredible but it's just a normal ass d-pad yeah like it's just like i don't i don't know it's weird because like i'm not a huge fan of the dualshock design overall like we got to get a ps5 yeah i wonder what that's like <laughs> It's, a, I mean, that's the, I feel like that's the thing they put the most work into. I like, that's what I want a PS5 for. The controller. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. No, I mean, it doesn't have a lot of games on it right now. Like unique games. It's got Demon Souls. I want to play Cyberpunk on it. Sorry. <laughs> I already beat Cyberpunk. I listened to the most recent episode, yeah. by the way. Uh, I played, I was obsessed with the story full disclosure it would crash like probably four times an hour but again i'm obsessive enough where i'm like i need to know what happens i don't care if i get stuck in the floor i'm gonna find my way out (laughs) (laughs) my car gets stuck in the ground (laughs) this one character like flies off their bike and is like in the bike (laughs) sitting pose like they're still holding on to the handles but they're like 30 feet ahead of the vehicle it sounds like those weird, like, surreal kind of <laughs> animations that people make. Where people yeah, just, like, totally. Float, float away and, like, yeah, like, cool out. 3D world. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I was just like, well, this is wild, and I thought, yeah, it was just a really cool story, I thought, so I do want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's an exclusive. Oh my god, sorry. What? Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, like, also replay Witcher on PS5. Yeah. Or maybe, um, Bloodborne. (laughs) Bloodborne? (laughs) Resident Evil Village... I just feel like the graphics. I, I'm really interested to see the village would be good. Change. Yeah, because village village is so fun. Well, yeah, village Very is replayable, amazing game. But yeah. I played it on my computer, and my computer can ah, do the next gen thing, and like it looks insane. Yeah, like it. I have it the settings like pretty high, and it was crazy because like I played the demo on my PS4, mm-hmm. and like the demo looked really good, but then like when a character would pick you up and you get close to him, it kind of looked like PS2 ish almost. Yeah. But like if you play it like on my computer, it's like oh my god, I can see her pores. Yeah, someone sent me a screenshot. They were also playing on PC. They sent me a screenshot of the baby. Oh, dude, that's why I <laughs> immediately, yeah. and I was like, I need this game. <laughs> but of course, yeah, I play on PS4. It doesn't look as good, but I was like. Yeah. Still looks pretty good. I think some people who were playing on PS4 did not understand why I immediately <laughs> lost my shit at the baby and spent a week like it baby looks so posting. Realistic. Yeah. I did a lot of baby posting on the That's good. Zero brightness Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful baby. The baby deserved it. I love the baby. Best supporting actor. It's a big baby too. <laughs> and I was projecting it. So our projector fills so up that whole wall. It was there. as big as you were probably. Bigger than me. <laughs> Yeah, it was huge. Its head's the size of your body. <laughs> yeah, it's just a giant baby. I was so hyped. Monica watched me play the intro, and she was like, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, look at that fucking baby! Uh, yeah, that game and the medium. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Check that, out. that game's really good. Um, it's kind of like a vaguely Silent Hill-style game. Oh, cool. Um, it's really cool. Those are the two games I've played this year that were like, oh, this is next-gen. And like, ah. my computer could barely handle the medium because it does this split screen thing. And there's areas where it like renders both like the area twice. Wow. So it's kind of like VR. It's like, wow. Oh, that's like, wild. Yeah. So that shit is crazy. Oh, VR is intense. I haven't. I, oh, no, I did try it. I tried it at my sister's house and I didn't get it. And then my nephew <laughs> told me it was because I was too old. <laughs> rude. <laughs> He's so rude. I played Resident Evil 7 in vr and that just got to be too much yeah i had to stop i was like sweating also it was 100 degrees in minneapolis (laughs) did you have ac yeah but you know she can only do so much (laughs) i have a huge apartment compared to the ac like i have one ac it's pretty big but it doesn't yeah can't Can't 100 degree weather can't keep up no no yeah that's when you bust out cold washcloths and yeah ice cubes yeah, I tried. So my nephew has like a standalone VR headset, so oh, it can run games off of it. But it's like it. kind of just like weird, like freeware-ish, like Garbo games. Yeah, that's not fun. So you I tried play some of those. Resident Evil Seven. It was fun. Yeah, it was intense though. Mm-hmm. But once you get used to it, it's like a lot. You know, the funny thing is that I thought I I thought I could just hook his headset up to my computer and play Resident Evil Seven VR that way. But it's exclusive to PlayStation. That's- what? Yeah. Uh, is that weird? Why am I surprised? <laughs> Everything is like... What's the word? God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's There's all... There's a word for it. 
Uh, Apple likes to do it. Oh, yeah. It's like locked to certain platforms. There you go. Yeah. There's a word. Yeah. I'm going to think of it in five hours. Yeah. Yeah, that... That shit is really annoying. And it's getting just confusing now because it's like a game comes out on every platform. It's yeah. like, oh, but you can only do this on this platform. There's so it's much waste. Like, yeah, I honestly like, I know at some point I'm going to buy one of these current gen consoles, these like new gen consoles, because I'm not going to want to upgrade my computer past where it already is. Because it's like, it works great for my work and I can't really justify spending like you know, to get something better. I mean, who knows what it'll be by that time. But if it's like $500 for a graphics card, it's like fucking eat shit, dude. Like I'll just buy a console. It's a console comes with it. I'm still thinking like it's 1992. Proprietary. Proprietary. (laughs) There it is. That's the word. Console triggered that word in my brain for some reason. Yeah. But it's like, I'm thinking like it's 1992 and it's like, dude, the Sega Genesis comes with two controllers and Sonic 2. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it comes with a cool controller and like a game. That's a better deal. Like a fucking graphics card. That yeah. shit's whack, dude. Fuck that shit. It is insane. Yeah. I saw that like, I mean, I was going to say $500 for a nice graphics card is kind of cheap compared yeah. to like what I'm seeing out there right now. I think I bought the last cheap graphics card in the world. That's yeah. like good. And so I'm going to ride that out for like two years. Yeah, I hope mine hangs in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like I bought it for video editing. Yeah. And it's just it just so happens that it's good for video games. Yeah, that's how it works. That's why my computer thinks Photoshop is a game because I don't have any games Uh on my computer. But like it's set for gaming. (laughs) So I like opened the graphics card setting and it lists video games and it's like photoshop <laughs> maya and then it tells you how long you've used it. whoa like how long you've played that's so funny it's bonkers i wish i had an hour count for pro tools oh no so i don't want to see it it was just for photoshop it was just for the week thank god mm, i'd love to see it i wish dude yeah i would love to so i guess what i can say about castlevania symphony of the night is that it plays great <laughs> <laughs> for like compared to modern gaming you know like yeah. it didn't feel like I, I i was afraid i would hate it for the gameplay and i was very happily surprised yeah and it is super fun to play yeah and i would totally play it again i'm going to keep playing <laughs> yeah i'm gonna beat it it says that i've i'm at 110 percent for my gameplay yeah so it's like oh you already did the main thing but there's more there's more well yeah like i don't know there's so many aspects of the game's design that i think are really influential upon modern games so it feels really modern totally play it yeah like i think the the inverted castle is a really modern design idea because it's like i said it's like dlc it's like there's an extra track you can go and it's original content it's not just like a different mode but it's kind of secretive yeah like you're not necessarily gonna find it like i knew people who didn't know about it back in the day yeah like oh you've never done the thing after that it's like oh that's crazy you know (laughs) so like that's a really modern design idea i think the idea of it being kind of a linear open world um is a very modern design idea where it's like, yeah, you're going to do open world shit, like explore and not know where to go. You're going to loop around a lot. But at the end of the day, it's still a pretty linear game. Like there's areas you can do out of order, but there's only so much you can do. Like there's stuff you can miss, but 
at the end of the day, it's like you need this relic to get to that area. Right. So it's like you're going to have to do those main relics in that order. Totally. Um, and yeah, just all the upgrade systems and the flexibility and play style. That's like, in my mind, that's the biggest change to Castlevania was when they did that. Because like, and that's something they really run with in the Game Boy Advance games. Like the Game Boy Advance games just straight up become like Bloodborne, where it's like, do you want to be an axe wielder? Like, sure. Or like, oh, do you like, because in this game, there are different types of weapons, but they're mostly the same. Yeah. Like, it's not that different, but mm-hmm. like. Like in Aria of Sorrow, it gets to the point where they're all different animations, all different like timings, like everything is different. Cool. And so like, yeah, it's it's really, really, really cool. But that's the biggest change to this game is just like adding in the fact that you can level up and you can change your equipment, you can change your loadout, you can change which friend hovers around <laughs> after you or like decide how many of the special moves you're going to learn and use and like all that kind of shit it's like it just feels really really modern and mostly because yeah. all this shit really works yeah you know? what's what do you think is the best familiar um i like the demon really i loved it yeah he's just a little wow. cutie and he pokes people with the sphere <laughs> and depending on who you're fighting he actually does like decent damage okay yeah. i gotta level him up i was messing around with the ghost i use the sword a lot the sword is is actually the best one. Yeah, it uses the most damage. Yeah. And then when I was watching season two of Castlevania, Alucard gets the sword that's yeah. following him around, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Now I can only play with the sword. Uh, so in pretty much every other Castlevania game, the sword is like ridiculously <laughs> broken. So it's like oh, you sad. have to use the. No, it's like it's awesome. Like it's too good. So like you have Wait, to use. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, you mean okay? Yeah. In a good. Way. Yeah, the good kind of broken, where it's just like you can like have it beat bosses for you. So like <laughs> this time, awesome. I I always just I actually use the have sword. done that. With yeah, I just sit there if I can stay out of harm's way and just mm. let the sword do its weird thing. Oh yeah, where it doesn't really like go on a path that seems like yeah there's any rhyme or reason to it it's just floating around it's super erratic yeah Uh, i will say though i like to use the bat as like my emotional comfort animal yeah like that's the familiar like if i were to have an actual familiar it would be that guy yeah that's a sword (laughs) that's how i felt about the demon i was like when i got the card i was like i don't remember what the demon i remembered all the other summons like i don't remember what the demon is so i just like did it and i was just like oh he's gross he's just a little gross guy with a spear and he's like i was like you're you are cool i'm sticking with you and i stuck with him for the whole playthrough um but yeah the ghost gets confused when you turn into a bat it just gets a bunch of question marks above its head and then it disappears and i'm like well fine yeah the ghost is really flighty yeah (laughs) like well all right all right see you later that's another thing that's really fun about that stuff in this game is that a lot of it is kind of optional like you can beat the whole game without using pretty much any of it yeah and it's just kind of there for fun and for replay value and Mm -hmm. like all that kind of shit which is something that they do change in the later games where it's like whatever system is in the game like you have to use it Uh, so like the first game boy advance game there's like a card system that changes your abilities and there's like a summon system and then the second one is i think the second one is more like um symphony of the night because it's almost like a remake of symphony of the night in a weird way like Mm. i don't know like a remix of symphony of the night i guess 
Cool. And then the last one, they really lean into the like summon, like the kind of Pokemon shit. And cool. It's super fun, but like you can't beat the game really without using it. Yeah. Symphony of the Night is just very, very flexible. I think that's why a lot of people still love it and say it's like the best game in the series is because it's just so like pure. Yeah. It's very, it's like the ideas are simple even if the game is like kind of complicated. Sure. So it's like, yeah, it just really like stands up to the test of time. It's not like you go back and you're like, this is clunky or this is like too like complicated or whatever. It's like, no, you can get through the game just swinging a sword. Yeah. And jumping a lot. <laughs> you gotta jump. <laughs> and turn into a bat. <laughs> that is required you can't have to turn into a bat okay you have to but you never have to use the wolf that's true like i mean you gotta because it's it's awesome yeah but like if you You gotta run through those enemies if you hated it dying (laughs) if you hated it you never have to press l1 or whatever yeah you just don't have to unless it's on accident which yeah Reaching for a glass of water. Oh shit! <laughs> no. A wolf. When I tried to go through the spikes before I got the spike breaker armor. Oh yeah. I was. It's like you need mist to pass. I was the bat flying over the spikes. Got to the door. You mist could pass through is what it says or whatever. Yeah. So I tried to turn it to the mist. Doesn't work, of course. I turn it to the wolf and then I die on the spikes instantly. Yeah. <laughs> also, the death scene yeah. is crazy. Yeah. It has that Bloodborne vibe. The scream is just like really horrifying and you like explode into blood. Yeah. Like that's some Bloodborne shit. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Every death animation in the game is amazing, including your own. <laughs> Yeah. You have to die at least once just to see it. Oh, and you, you will. You will. <laughs> so, it's a hard game. Somebody's going to kill you. Actually, I was surprised at how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Castlevania games after that are really up and down with the difficulty, but I think Symphony of the Night is probably the hardest. Um, but, you know, another thing about the difficulty in this game, too, which finds the thing I've been talking a lot about on the show lately, um, is that I think the difficulty is really balanced in symphony of the night where it's like it really is kind of an up and down sort of motion and that's something that all these like egovania games share is that like it's now you know it does steadily rise and challenge as the game goes on but it's always up and down like you'll fight one boss who's super hard and then the next boss will be a cakewalk yeah and you'll just stun him with every hit and just sit there spamming (laughs) the sword and like win but I really like that style of challenge where it's like hard, but it gives you some relief and you kind of go up and down. Yeah. Especially because it's so exploration based. Like it's kind of like actually, you know, Resident Evil eight also has big Castlevania vibes. Yeah. um, In a lot of ways, but you know, beyond visual design, it's just like the fact that you beat a boss and then you can have up to like an hour to just run around and explore and do extra shit. Like that's very Castlevania. And to me, that's like what, saves the pacing of that game that's why that game has good pacing you know yeah i agree with that yeah i was actually thinking about that during my replay because i'm like this game would be that you start to expect it like once you get through a really difficult area which toward the end of that game spoiler alert in village there's like a part like that where like i beat uh this big like giant thing near the stronghold in his little shack and he the cannibal or whatever yeah super hard boss and then as soon as you exit there's like 
a bunch of werewolves like ready <laughs> uh-huh. to like uh spawn and attack you and i think that was the only part where i was like damn like i could have like totally died just now yeah for sure because i wasn't expecting it yeah yeah it's like just totally random <laughs> <laughs> random little anecdote yeah no for sure but about it, expectations in that game i think it's funny that you went from playing symphony of the night to resident late it's very <laughs> fitting you know yeah it does yeah i can see the similarities yeah like i can see the influence yeah everywhere <laughs> and I, I think that symphony of the night is one of those games that for a long time has been popular but yeah it's more of like its influence has been creeping into everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that I think is through Bloodborne. Ah. It's like because Bloodborne is so just heavily based on Castlevania, in my opinion, that like that influence has started to seep out. And so like when you and look- they both have the religious thing to it too, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, obvious, but yeah super interesting the aesthetics of like all the churches and all the religious iconography and stuff yeah big time so castlevania is more like pro god (laughs) it's a vibe i got from this game at least with richter i guess richter's dialogue one interesting thing is that it's technically like an inversion of the whole castlevania series because up until that point you've been a square-jawed christian crusader trying to kill the devil um and in this game you're a half vampire who's kind of ambivalent about humanity but he just like hates his dad which is like that rocks yeah (laughs) like now that i can get (laughs) yeah i can really vibe with this and i guess it was originally supposed to be a side story and when it got changed to a main story that's like oh yeah that's like the smartest change they made was like doesn't have to be a belmont doesn't have to be a square jawed christian crusader is you can this? be a cool satanic femboy. It's all good. It's not where Alucard first appears, is it? Yeah. Is in Castlevania. Symphony like in night. like yeah. vampire Dracula folklore. Oh, the oh the real Yeah. Alucard. Um I don't know. Here because here's the other thing. Okay. <laughs> I've been reading Dracula. <laughs> okay. While also playing the game. Yeah. Highly recommend. Dracula Rocks. And I've never read the book before, and it's great. Um, yeah, it's great. As everyone probably already knows. Uh, <laughs> and I've seen Helsing, the anime, which was my favorite anime when I was like 15. Whoa, and I thought I, I was like Wow, I forgot hard. about Helsing. <laughs> Helsing was cool. Dude. Yeah. But I was always like, wow, Alucard, that's like such a weird name, but it's really cool. And I only just realized <laughs> <laughs> it's Dracula spelled Dracula backwards. <laughs> I was like... I used to think I was a smart person, <laughs> and then <laughs> this happened to me. So I'm putting that out there. I'll say <laughs> that I think it was more obvious, like before it was everywhere in pop culture. But between, <laughs> I never thought about it. If you just you see it almost more than Dracula, like written out, and so you just yeah. get this point where you just don't think about it. And then yeah, when you do realize that, you're like, oh. I think because also watching it as an anime, I was like, this must be some, like, Japanese reference <laughs> also. <laughs> like, maybe this isn't a lore that, like, I don't know about. Yeah. And also I'm dumb. <laughs> no, it's just, I think they just made it up. <laughs> so I think that's what that it's is. It's the, like, dumbest, most basic name to make up. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like, who opposes Dracula? Anti-Dracula. <laughs> Anti-Dracula. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. I guess it's time for anti-Dracula. Let's just... And then the inverted castle. 
Yeah. So many inverted themes. Yeah, the theme is inversion. <sighs> um, Alucard's a cool character, though. I dig it. Yeah, it's it's one of the most interesting changes they made to the game, and it gives it a different vibe. So yeah. like, I think it's kind of like what we're talking about with Bloodborne, where it's like the storytelling in the game doesn't just need to be cutscenes. Like you can do things that give the game a vibe. So I think changing the character design and putting all that time into making sure that like the enemies are expressive and the environments are interesting, like to me that's always going to be more important than like just like what's in the cutscenes. Yeah. You know, because what's in the cutscenes is just whatever. It's fine. It's <laughs> Can fine. we also talk about the cutscene at the end of this game with the <laughs> castle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No hate, but it's super funny because yeah. it just looks like something I rendered in Blender after like five minutes <laughs> of like messing around. Yeah, the weird I like FMV it. scene. It- <laughs> yeah. Zoom in on the castle. It's basically just like a blank background and then clouds come in, which the clouds are pretty cool. But <laughs> it's super cheesy. I love it. Yeah. The. It is interesting, like, the production value is all over the place here. Because, like, those FMV scenes look like shit. And then, like, the animation and the 2D stuff looks amazing. And then there's, like, 3D stuff, too. And that's kind of, like, a mixed bag. Like, some of it's awesome. Some of it is just kind of, like, whatever. But, yeah. It rocks. (laughs) Hello, it's Ali from the future. I'm here to give you some context for the next section of this episode. Because, basically, what happened is... We started trying to figure out where the name Alucard came from because we were just joking about it, right? And I was like, oh, wasn't it in an interview with the vampire? And Michelle was like, no, definitely not. And then I was like, no, I think it is. And then we spent like 10 minutes like Googling it and I just cut all that out because it's just, it's mostly silence. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like... Somehow, the name Alucard came from a 1943 movie called The Son of Dracula that I have never seen and I've also never heard of. Uh, and even stranger is that it got picked up by two pretty popular Japanese media properties that we discussed earlier. So you've got Helsing and of course you've got Castlevania. So I don't know. I'm not sure how that happened, but I guess that's where Alucard came from. And so in that discussion, we were talking about Interview with the Vampire. Uh, I cut that whole part where I insisted that there is a character named Alucard in that book. There is not. So we're going to jump back into it now when we actually start talking again. Okay, thank you. I was never super into vampires despite loving Castlevania. But I read, I had a phase where I was like, I'm just going to read all these books. I think I was in high school. And I read all those Anne Rice books. And I read some uh, Poppy Z. Bright. The what? Like, gay jazz vampire books. <laughs> Wow. Those are fun. I gotta check that out. Yeah, those are fun. I mean Yeah, it's just it's just kinda like hokey. It's fun. I don't I mean there is some good like vampire stuff that's not hokey, like Thirst. That movie's really good. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one. I'm having a hard time. I don't know. I guess movies? I'm, yeah, movies, anything, TV shows, I don't know. Hell's I mean Hell's Girl Walks cool. Home at Night. Home oh, Home at Night. Oh that movie's really good. Uh I oh, forgot that was a vampire thing. No lovers left alive. Or oh yeah, that like I yeah. Seen that. I love movies that kind of play with the genre yeah. a little bit and make it more original. I feel like at this point they have to be that though. Yeah, because you can't just except do Twilight. <laughs> well, that's why Twilight, you know, 
socks went like too far in the other direction (laughs) you went too far but it's also like at the core of it because like you know all those like more like 90s like vampire stories like Anne Rice and Poppy Z Bright like they are kind of just weird like horny romance novels but totally edgy yeah and so Twilight is like what if you make one of those but you just it's not edgy at all. <laughs> like it's written by like a Christian lady or something. It's vampires for children. Yeah. They can walk in the light and they can be in abusive relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they do. Totally normalize it. I don't know shit. I don't know shit. Don't uh, sue me. People. Um, Twilight fans. Twilight. All the Twilight fans listening to this <laughs> podcast. I can't imagine. Yeah. The Anne Rice series. The It's like, yeah, super sexualized like the whole well and in the new dracula series on netflix too they really tap into that yeah like the sexual aspect of dracula dracula's nature i don't know (laughs) yeah i guess it could be seen as like a perverted version of like religion you know or christianity yeah because (laughs) catholicism is so like (laughs) anti-sex And uh, talking about your body and yeah. stuff, and so like, vampires are very like, yeah. We don't have to keep this in. I feel like I'm just rambling about. No, no, this makes sense. Vampires. It doesn't pertain to the game at all. No, it's it's relevant. I mean, no. the game is all vampire shit. Yeah, but they don't tap into this kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's kind of <laughs> been the Castlevania thing forever. Is like, okay, we dressed it up like vampires and gothic stuff and churches and all this shit. But at its core, it's just an action game. But like, yeah, they've been doing it so long and they're so good at it. They've done it so well that at this point, the two are inextricable. Like, it's true. W- when you think of Castlevania, you think of the character designs, you think of the aesthetics. That's kind of like what we were talking about in the Bloodborne episode, where it's like. Bloodborne is so good because it just is its aesthetic. Yeah. And like when you play, so Dark Souls 3, which I just played, is a fantastic game. But like, it's not as good as Bloodborne. Some of that is mechanical, like a little bit of that is mechanical. But I think a big part of it is it's just like, the world isn't as cool. Yeah. The world is, it's a cool, dark fantasy world. I don't think that is as cool as Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne has like a, you can feel that there's, a story beneath everything it's not just like for the it does have the aesthetic that it sticks to but it it feels like it goes deeper than that and and it lets the gamer kind of do their own thing and like take away from it with whatever they want right i mean now i'm thinking of it like i said i'm thinking of it differently now after playing castlevania mostly because of like the similarities between some of the creatures and the overall aesthetics being pretty similar right there's a lot of similarities between the two, but I do think that's a big one. Is like, does a game really go all the way into its aesthetic and make it an important part of the game? Or is it just something that it wears like an outfit? Right, exactly. So that's something I think about a lot too with games that are very influenced by Symphony of the Night, like Blasphemous or like Bloodstain and all this kind of stuff where it's like, I think a lot of them are not as good as Symphony of the Night um, or as good as bloodborne if you want to make a more abstract comparison just Mm -hmm. like what is game good uh and i think part of that is that a lot of them use the same kind of basic like metroidvania design or like something that has a shakier foundation that's in the same style but 
then they just plop like a really heavy aesthetic onto it. And so there's tons of games in this style. It's tons of games that look exactly like Symphony of the Night, but you sit down and play them, yeah. and it's like, they're not as good. The yeah. mechanics aren't as good. The upgrade systems aren't as good. They're not as fun to explore because the map isn't good. So it's like with Castlevania, like all that ornate architecture looks cool, but also the level design is super ornate. Like it's not just a simple platformer. Right. That was like in one of the first episodes of the show, I said Castlevania is not a platformer and I got pushed back on it. And I was like, well, it's not <laughs> like a platformer has a relatively simple level design where it's like because if, if you fall off the platform, you die. Inherently, Castlevania is not a platformer because if you fall off the platform, you never die. Yeah, that was one of my fears when I was playing the game. I had to really, like, get over that. Yeah. Well, so that's why you've played Blasphemous, right? I've, like, seen it played. I've not played through it. So I had a huge problem with that game that almost made me just put it down, which is that in that game, if you fall off of something, you don't just fall into the screen below, you die. And so if you, I've been playing Castlevania games like my whole life. And so when it did that to me, I was oh, like, oh, that's the worst. Fuck you. Yeah, that sucks. Fuck you. But in this game, you can fall off the side of the entire castle and live. Yeah. It's you're fine. Yeah. And like, that's kind of the magic of the game. And oh, like, I love it. And yeah, once again, I think that's influenced by the visual style. It's like you don't just make a simple, boring level design with a crazy background. You yeah. make the whole thing crazy and cool and ornate. I think that when I play a lot of games that are vaguely in this style, they're influenced by it. They don't. They just don't have that feel. It's just like, well, they miss the boat. They miss the boat, and it's like the level design is okay, but the visual design is a lot better, and it just leaves me wishing I was playing a game where both were good. <laughs> Question mark? Is that possible? And it's like, that's the magic. In my opinion, that's what makes Symphony of the Night like so magical. Yeah.